Welcome to the Ship Gold Friday Gold Wrap, your overview of this week's precious metals news. It's Friday, May 6th. I'm your host, Mike Meharry. Thanks for tuning in. So on Wednesday, the Federal Reserve came through with the second rate hike of this tightening cycle. I honestly kind of wonder if this will be the last. Now, I'm not predicting that it's going to be two and done. Maybe it'll be three and done. or I don't know, four and done. I really don't know. But I do know that the Fed is getting very close to a crossroads. Will it fight inflation or will it surrender? Or I guess I could argue that it already has surrendered without a fight because, say what you will, but given the scope of the inflation problem, this has been a pretty weak punch. So the Fed upped the federal funds rate by 50 basis points. It's up to 0.75. This was actually the biggest rate increase since 2000. And this is what everybody expected. In fact, there was some speculation that the central bank would go even bigger and hike rates by 75 basis points. Instead, Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell took 75 off the table, saying a 75 basis point increase is not something that the committee is actively considering. I think Powell saying to 75 basis point rate hikes kind of surprised the markets a little bit. And that's why we got a uh, bit of a rally in stocks on Wednesday, also in the gold market. Of course, that reversed big time on Thursday. We had a huge sell off in the stock market. And I'll get to that a little bit later in the show. Um, But maybe the markets have realized that, you know, no matter what the Fed does, they're going to be hosed. Now, Jerome Powell did hint that the Fed will likely go for half a percent hikes over the next couple of FOMC meetings. That would mean rates would be at 1.75% at the July meeting. I have to mention here that this is hardly a tight monetary policy. In fact, a 1.75% Fed funds rate is still extremely accommodative. I would argue that even if the Fed does hike rates a full percentage point over the next couple of Fed meetings, it will still be functionally fueling the inflationary fire. Now, from what everybody's saying, the goal seems to be to push rates to 2.5%, maybe 3% by the end of the year. Still not impressed. This is also not particularly tight monetary policy in light of 8.5% CPI. Even some folks in the mainstream have suggested that this won't be adequate to quell the inflation fire. I saw a Bloomberg article arguing that it would be, uh, it would at least need to get to 5% in order to tamp down inflation. And quite frankly, I think this is wildly optimistic. I mean, even if you accept the 8.5% CPI, 5% uh, interest rate still wouldn't get us above the inflation rate. I mean, I guess you could argue that pushing the Fed funds rate to 5% would get other interest rates like treasuries uh, above 8.5. But here's the thing. We don't have 8.5% CPI, really. It's more like 17% if measured honestly. So 5%, as far as I'm concerned, would still be spitting in the wind. And, And here's the thing. I don't think the Fed can get to 2%, much less 5%, much less 17%, given the state of the economy. Now, Powell continues to insist that the economy is strong enough to withstand tightening. Quote, households and businesses are in 
strong financial shape. The labor market is very, very strong. The economy is strong and well positioned to handle tighter monetary policy, he said. Now, never mind that GDP just contracted by 1.4% in the first quarter. GDP doesn't contract when the economy is super duper strong, right? But, you know, it's amazing how the mainstream has actually tried to spin this. I'll get to that in a second. But there are some other signs in the economy uh, that indicates that it's kind of shaky. The Fed may have already pricked the housing bubble. I wrote about this over on the website, shiftgold.com slash news, earlier this week. I'll link to that article in the show notes page. But the bottom line is, as of last week, mortgage applications were down 17% and that they were at the lowest level since May 2020. That's when the economy was shut down for COVID-19. This is according to the Mortgage Bankers Association Weekly Purchase Index. That index has dropped 30% from the peak demand in early 2020 and early 2021. Now, what caused that peak demand? Well, of course, the Fed slashing interest rates and buying up all kinds of mortgage-backed securities. The Fed pumped up this housing bubble, and now the Fed is letting the air out of the housing bubble. So what the Fed giveth, the Fed taketh away. The impact of rising mortgage rates and falling home sales are already showing up and rippling through the mortgage industry. Last week, Wells Fargo, one of the largest mortgage lenders in the U.S., announced layoffs. Other lenders have trimmed staff as well. So I guess it looks like that boom is over, right? And that was before this week's rate hike. Now, let me circle back real quick and touch on this mainstream spin that we saw on the GDP numbers. Here's a New York Times headline. I'm not making this up. This was an actual headline in the New York Times. Quote, GDP report shows U.S. economy shrank, masking a broader recovery. You can't do Orwellian doublespeak any better than that. Basically, the New York Times is telling you that the economy is great. You just can't see it because of all this data telling you that the economy is bad. So one of the things that really pulled GDP down was the massive trade deficit. The mainstream argument is that the trade deficit is subtracted from GDP, but it really tells us that the economy is strong because consumers are buying up all of these imports. Peter Schiff does a really good job of explaining why this is dumb, so I'm not going to rehash the whole thing. I'll link to that podcast in the show notes. But simply put, strong economies make stuff. They don't just buy a bunch of stuff from overseas. The U.S. economy is based on buying stuff other countries make with dollars basically created out of thin air. Now, we can get away with this because the dollar is the reserve currency and everybody in the world needs dollars. But, you know, you can only push that envelope so far until the whole thing starts to cave in. This is another symptom of the economic bubble that has been blown up by the Federal Reserve and the U.S. government. I really can't reiterate this enough. This is not a strong economy. It's a bubble, no matter what Powell or Joe Biden or some guy on CNBC tells you. And I think in their heart of hearts, the folks over at the Fed, they really know this. Of course, Powell is never going to come out and say, hey, this might crash the economy. He doesn't want to put that idea into anybody's head, but he is already hedging a little bit. If you listen to some of the things that he said in his press conference after this FOMC meeting, 
After reiterating that the economy is strong, Powell conceded that, quote, it will be very challenging and will not be easy in terms of raising rates. He also said that it will, quote, depend on events out of our control. So you see, he's creating a little bit of wiggle room here so that when the data starts to look really bad, and it already is, he can backtrack without looking quite so dumb, right? There are also some subtle changes in Powell's messaging that seem to indicate there might be some economic turbulence on the horizon. For instance, instead of saying the Fed can raise rates and bring the economy to a soft landing, Powell called it a softish landing. Now, keep in mind, the people telling you that the economy is strong enough to handle rate hikes are the same people who told you that there was no problem in the housing market in 2006, insisted that the housing problem was contained to subprime in 2007, and swore up and down for months that inflation was transitory. So, eh, I kind of look at their certainty that they can do this whole tightening thing without blowing up the economy with a tad bit of skepticism. And by a tad bit of skepticism, I mean I think it's total BS. So what about shrinking the balance sheet? Well, the Fed did address that. They didn't announce that they were going to actually start shrinking the balance sheet. Well, at least not immediately. They're going to wait until June. Now, the last I heard they were going to start in May. I don't know why they need to put it off until June. It seems to me that if there was this much urgency on inflation, that they would kind of be ramping this up a little faster. But, uh, you know, what do I know? I'm not a central banker. Anyway, um, it's going to start quantitative tightening in June. Uh, the FOMC said, quote, the committee intends to reduce the Federal Reserve's securities holdings over time in a predictable manner, primarily by adjusting the amounts reinvested of principal payments received from securities held in the system open market accounts. In other words, they're not going to let things roll over. They're going to let it roll off the books. Beginning on June 1st, principal payments from securities held in the SOMA will be reinvested to the extent that they exceed monthly caps. Now, as far as the nuts and bolts of this balance sheet reduction go, the central bank is going to allow up to $30 billion in U.S. treasuries and $17.5 billion in mortgage-backed securities to roll off the balance sheet in June, July, and August. That totals $45 billion coming off the balance sheet every month. In September, the Fed plans to increase the pace to $95 billion per month, with the balance sheet shedding $60 billion in treasuries and $35 billion in mortgage-backed securities. Now, sounds like a lot, right? We're talking billions of dollars coming off the balance sheet. Eh, not so fast. I actually ran some numbers. At $95 billion per month, the Fed could shrink its balance sheet back to the pre-pandemic level in 7.8 years. So this grand tightening scheme won't even get us back to where we were when the pandemic started for eight years. So when the Fed tells you, oh, no, 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 we're not monetizing the debt. We're going to sell all of these things that we're buying once the emergency is over. It's BS. It was BS when Bernanke said it back in 2008, and it's BS today. This tightening is nothing compared to what the Fed has put on the balance sheet. This is not a significant tightening, and I don't even think they can do this. 
And here's the, here's the funny thing. The FOMC didn't even hint at how much it intends to shrink its balance sheet, saying, quote, Over time, the committee intends to maintain securities holdings in amounts needed to implement monetary policy efficiently and effectively in its ample reserve regime. In other words, we ain't selling all the crap off our balance sheet. You can expect this balance sheet to remain high. Yes, indeedy, we have monetized this trillions of dollars in debt. Now, here's the question. If we're not going to be monetizing the debt in the future, who's going to buy all the debt? Good question, right? Something you need to keep in the back of your head. So the bottom line is the Fed really hasn't done squat in the face of 8.5% inflation, much less the actual inflation rate of 17% or so. Now, if I sound a little bit incredulous here, it's because I'm a little bit incredulous here. This is ridiculous. It's absurd. I mean, think about this for a second. Jerome Powell began hinting that inflation might be a problem last August. And in November, Powell retired the word transitory. So, it's not like inflation just suddenly crept up on us last week, right? This has been brewing for a long time. But here we are in May, and the Federal Reserve still hasn't done a damn thing substantively to address the inflation problem. It's raised interest rates, ooh, 75 basis points. We're not even at 1%. And they haven't even started to shrink the balance sheet, and they're not going to until June. I've been talking about the Fed hitting a crossroads for a long time. Well, I think we're getting pretty darn close to that crossroads. It's going to have to choose. Crash the economy or bite the bullet and really fight inflation. Now, both of these scenarios are going to suck for you and me, right? Now, the right thing to do would be to let rates go up, to keep pushing interest rates higher, to allow the economy to crash, to deflate the bubbles, to flush all of the misallocations and malinvestments out of the economy. That's what we really need to do. We need to reset. We need a deep recession or a depression, as painful as that might be. But as I've said before, I think the Fed's going to go with destroying the dollar before they let the economy crash. I think if the stock market continues to sell off like this, if we continue to get bad economic data, if God forbid the unemployment situation starts to ratchet up. And remember, employment is one of the trailing indicators as far as the economy goes. It's one of the last things that you'll notice before a recession. The last thing that's going to happen is people get laid off. So when you start seeing the labor market get all screwy, that's when you know the uh, the recession is really at hand. That's the thing that the Fed has been hanging its hat on. You know, that's what Jerome Paul keeps telling us. Look, the labor market is super strong and there's all these job openings. Again, lagging indicator. But when all of this goes south, and it's going to go south, when all of this goes south, I think they're going to go back to quantitative easing. They're going to go back to rate cuts because that's what they do. It's really a political calculation. And these are political creatures. People will buy that inflation is Putin's fault, or it's because of the pandemic, or it's because of supply chain issues, or it's greedy corporations. They will buy into all of this, these excuses that people make for inflation, that the government officials make. They don't have enough economic knowledge to really understand that this inflation is how they're paying for their stimulus checks. They're not going to get that, and, and certainly nobody's going to tell them that but me. 
But when they see the economy fall down around their ears, when they see the stock market crash, when they get laid off from their job, they're going to blame the people in charge. So the people in charge are more likely to try to kick the can down the road to keep people happy and most importantly, to stay in power than they are to make people take the bitter medicine necessary to actually fix the economic mess that they created in the first place by printing trillions of dollars out of thin air and trying to micromanage the economy. Now, back to the stock market. The market reaction to this FOMC meeting was enough to give you whiplash, right? On Wednesday, right after the meeting, stocks went up, Gold rallied because everybody kind of viewed the messaging coming out of the central bank as a bit more dovish than expected. Like I said, a lot of people thought, hey, maybe the Fed will put 75 basis point rate hikes on the table. And Powell took that off. So people were saying, oh, well, they're not going to be as aggressive as we thought. That's good news. You know, the monetary heroin is going to keep flowing. We can keep partying. So stocks rallied uh, and gold rallied. And again, we see this phenomenon where people think, oh, the Fed is going to fight inflation. So we have to sell our gold, which is dumb, and I've explained why. We've talked about real interest rates. I'm not going to rehash all of that again, but we saw that play out in the markets again. But then, on Thursday, everything went to crap. I guess investors figured out how screwed they really are. Stocks crashed. Gold gave up some of its gains from Wednesday, although it actually rebounded a little bit later in the day, so it didn't look nearly as bad as the stock market. Um, the bond market got hammered. Uh, the yield on the 10-year went back above 3% again, so that's signaling recession. It's signaling more inflation coming down the pipe. Um, not good. Not a good look for the markets. And, you know, if you look at it, it seems like Wednesday's rally was kind of a head fake. The general trend of the stock market has been down. Really, since the Fed has aggressively started talking about tightening, we've seen this kind of slow, leaky decline in the stock market. We've seen it most spectacularly in the NASDAQ. We've seen it in the tech stocks, in the more speculative stocks. We've seen this rotation where people have kind of moved into the more value-oriented dividend-paying stocks, which is typical when you're looking at a, uh, a contracting economy. You know, people don't want to be speculative. They don't want to take the risk. So we're seeing the NASDAQ really tank. Um, but like I said, the general trend has been down. Because I think everybody knows the recession is coming. They know that tightening is going to cause a problem in the economy. I just don't think they realize how bad this economic crash is really going to be. Now, stocks, like I said, have been getting hammered all year. Just look at the NASDAQ. Before the post-Fed action on Wednesday and Thursday, on the year, the NASDAQ was down 17%. So, almost into bear territory. It was the worst four months of any year since the creation of the NASDAQ in 1971. So looking at the broader market, the S&P 500 was down 13% through the first four months of this year. That was the worst four-month start to any year since 1939. So really, even before this Fed meeting, before we got this 50 basis point rate hike, the environment looked a lot like 2018. Again, think back to 2018, the fall of that year. We were getting shaky economic data. There was a lot of indications that a recession was on the horizon. And what did the Fed do? How did it respond? Well, its last rate hike was in December of 2018. In 2019, it 
cut rates three times. It ended quantitative tightening. It went back to quantitative easing. That was the end of the tightening cycle. We were already there before this 50 basis point hike. So what is the Fed going to do? Kind of scary when you really think about it. We're there. And the Fed is supposedly just getting started with tightening. That's why I keep saying that we're at this crossroads. The real question is, how is the Fed going to play it? I've got my ideas. I've shared them with you today. But I don't know. I do know this, though, that no matter what the Fed does, it's going to be a real you-know-what show. We're in for a mess. If the Fed keeps tightening into a recession, it's going to be one hell of a recession. And if the Fed stops tightening, if it does what it did in 2018 and goes back to quantitative easing, we're going to see inflation go even higher. And we could end up seeing a dollar collapse if they really keep going. Like I said, you know, we have a lot of slack in the rope because the dollar is the world's reserve currency. But you can only push that envelope so far before it starts to tear, before everything starts to fall apart, before the house of cards falls down. The crossroads is looming. So if you haven't prepared yourself for some economic chaos, now might be the time. We're running out of time, right? So talk to a shift gold precious metal specialist today. Call 1-888-GOLD-160 or shoot them an email to info at shiftgold.com or you can just go to the uh, news page, shiftgold.com slash news and uh, generally you'll get a pop-up where you can talk to a broker right there online if you don't feel like getting on the phone. But I highly recommend talking to these folks. They can tell you how precious metals can fit into your investment portfolio, into your strategy. They'll look at your needs and uh, and help you prepare for what I think is pretty obviously coming down the road, even though we don't know exactly how it's going to play out. So that's it for this episode of the Friday Gold Wrap. As I always say, that's a gold wrap for this week. So you can get more details on everything that I've talked about today and more. And of course, keep up with the latest precious metals news and analysis throughout the week over at shiftgold.com news. If you haven't done it already, you can subscribe to this podcast, the Friday Gold Wrap, over at Apple Podcasts. We're on Stitcher. We're at the Shift Gold YouTube channel. Um, all of these links are over on the show notes page, as well as links to our social media sites, so you can follow us there. Um, if you want to shoot me an email, feel free, mmahary, M-A-H-A-R-R-E-Y, at shiftgold.com. Love to hear from folks. Uh, we're going to wrap it up. I hope you have a fantastic weekend. Uh, my son's graduating from college on Saturday, so I'm pretty excited about that. So you have a great weekend, and I'll be back next week to talk more gold and fed all of this stuff that we talk about here. Thanks again for listening. 